On today's episode, I'm going to share with you why that stern voice that you use to keep yourself moving, going, pressing forward, isn't actually doing you any favors and is actually, in fact, making things harder for you. Then I'm going to introduce you to an alternative approach and a brief exercise where you can begin to implement this for yourself. Welcome to Not Your Mama's Midlife Podcast with Stephanie Lee. On this show, we're going to talk about the experiences of high-achieving women and men across industries and lifestyles who are at about the midpoint in their careers and are no longer satisfied to let their lives happen to them. Together, we're going to purposefully create the second half of our lives by addressing burnout and overwork, getting clarity on how we're creating the experience of our lives, how we're conspiring to keep ourselves stuck, identifying and articulating what it is that we want for the second half of our lives, and identifying a plan to achieve it. Beginning with last week, I'm going to do a few short and sweet episodes designed to give you some basic tools for your toolkit. Many of you are in businesses that are wrapping up the end of the fiscal year and work has reached a fevered pitch. Many of you are approaching holidays. And while the holidays can be a time of joy and celebration and time spent with family and friends, they can also be reminders that things are not the way that you wish they were or of people that you have lost or they may simply push your buttons. To that end, I wanna give you a few tools for your toolkit as we finish out 2022. So let me start by asking you this. Are you a mean person? Do you give the people around you, your spouse, your parents, your children, your best friend, do you give them your honest assessment of where they aren't measuring up, where they could do better? After all, they don't need coddling, right? They need a good kick in the pants. You're just telling them the truth. No. If you do this, you probably don't have that many friends who confide in you. We all know that we aren't supposed to be mean to anyone, even ourselves. But let me ask you this. Are you mean to yourself? Perhaps you've been in a situation where someone tells you how stupid they are, that they've done something wrong again, and they just aren't worth anything. For the most part, we have come to all recognize this kind of thinking and talk as harmful, and it worries us when someone we care about starts talking in this way. Our heart hurts for them, and sometimes it feels a little awkward. We don't like to hear someone be mean, even to themselves. So no, you aren't mean to yourself. You would never call yourself stupid, right? I'm going to offer to you that a more subtle and insidious way of being mean to yourself is self-judgment or simply judgmental self-talk. And many of us, at least partially, actually attribute our success to it. Many high achievers have a stern inner voice that they believe keeps them on track, that takes no excuses, and that ensures that they're a success. She's not mean. She's no nonsense. She's not going to let you back down. She's not going to let you off the hook. 
Her elbows are crossed. She's standing with one leg slightly behind her, her weight's on that leg, and she's shaking her head slowly from side to side. She's disappointed. When will you learn? Or she stands behind you in the mirror and she notices the weight you've gained. When are you going to get this under control? You knew you shouldn't have eaten that last brownie. She sits beside you on the couch while you drink wine and eat ice cream after your last breakup. Boy, you sure know how to pick them. She's a drill sergeant standing over you while you're working on a big project at work asking you why this is taking so long. You've got to get moving, you've got to get going, or it's never going to get done. What she's saying sounds like self-awareness. It's not that she's criticizing you. It's that you're honest with yourself about where you're weak. And isn't this what it takes to grow? Don't we need a no-tolerance policy for weakness? That's how we get stronger. It's interesting. For many of us, when we begin self-development work and begin gaining more awareness of our thinking, we see how negative we are about other people, about the world, and about things that happen. And we're shocked and ashamed that we're so negative. But when we see and begin to hear our own harsh tone with ourselves, we think it's just the truth. This is how we get things done. This is how we achieve our goals. And we think we need to take that harsh inner voice with us into the next chapter of our lives because she's how we got here. She's how we got where we are today. She kept us on track, managing all of our responsibilities at work, at home, at church, and with our other interests. In fact, she's kept us on track for years. She's not satisfied where we are today, so she's going to kick our butts into the future. What I want to suggest to you is that you have been successful in spite of that harsh inner voice and not because of it. And what has gotten you to this chapter in your life will not be the same thing that gets you to the next chapter. And that includes your inner mean girl or your inner mean guy, as the case may be. So what actually is self-judgment? It's the voice inside you that tells you that you're wrong, that you haven't arrived yet, that you don't measure up, that you aren't okay. What's wrong with that? Aren't we supposed to tell ourselves the truth, even if it's harsh? Offer yourself the same courtesy and kindness that you would offer to your best friend. When I'm working with a client and they're getting awareness of how they have shown up in a situation and they aren't happy about it, or they're embarrassed, or they're ashamed, it's going to be very hard for that client to change how they show up in that situation. If you remember from our previous episodes, how we think spurs our feelings, and our feelings fuel how we show up. When a client is judging themselves for how they show up, they tend to lock in that thought, feeling, acting cycle so that it becomes very difficult to change. Their minds close in. They start thinking thoughts like, I shouldn't do that. I shouldn't think that. It's like they begin to develop tunnel vision and stop being able to see where there's wiggle room to make changes. They lose their ability to see a situation with curiosity. Why are they showing up the way that they are? Where are they stuck? Why is this hard? What would it take to move past it? They can't see past the judgment to be constructive and move forward. 
they're also riling themselves up into a state where they can't think clearly or effectively. Think about when someone tells you you've done something wrong. You get stressed. Your heart starts to beat faster. You're breathing heavier. You're trying to explain yourself. When your inner voice is harsh and tells you that you have done something wrong, you do the same thing. You're heaping stress on yourself. When your spouse tells you that you've loaded the dishwasher wrong and you feel that flash of anger and defensiveness, you're sparking the same anger and defensiveness within yourself when you fuss at yourself for what you haven't done right. So if our previous episodes about stress and burnout have resonated with you and you're feeling stressed out or burned out, how much of that stress and burnout might you be creating for yourself just through the way that you talk to yourself. If you're trying to eliminate the unnecessary stress from your work life or your home life, this is something, this is a piece of that that's completely within your control. But will you ever get anything done again? Will you ever lose those 40 pounds? Let's take a look at a quick illustration. You look in the mirror and tell yourself you are a fat slob with no self-control. You are so discouraged. You figure, what the hell, and eat the cake in the fridge. Nothing good is happening from that place of discouragement that you created for yourself when you thought you're a fat slob with no self-control. You might get to a place later where you start thinking some constructive thoughts and take action, but it's not happening from that place of discouragement. See the difference here. You look in the mirror and you tell yourself you're proud of the food choices that you've been making lately. And you know that soon you'll be able to see it in your body. You feel proud. You make note of the things that you've been doing that have worked for you. What hasn't worked and do more of that. Maybe you write a bit about why you decided to eat that last brownie and how that happened and see what you could actually learn from that. Why did you eat the brownie? Why did you choose to work against your own goals? And as you're doing this, you're going to learn and you're going to move forward. You're going to identify what worked and tweak what didn't. So the first suggestion I'm going to make to you is that you listen to your self-talk. Is it kind? Is it how you would speak to a small child, your best friend? Pay attention to not only the actual words, but the tone. And listen for where it might be harsh or stern or sarcastic and wry. And then I want to give you an exercise to try. Kristen Neff is a researcher who has done extensive studies on the benefit of mindful self-compassion. So don't take my word for it, especially if this all sounds just a little too squishy and soft for you. I'm going to include a link to her books and her website in the show notes. I'll include links to her more popular books as well as her website in the show notes. And her website is going to have links to the academic literature where this type of intervention has been studied. It also includes a guided walkthrough of the exercise that I'm going to offer to you here in a few minutes. So what I'm going to suggest to you is that you take a self-compassion break. Self-compassion and a self-compassion break, which is really just a way of focusing on self-compassion and acting it out for a few minutes for yourself. It encompasses three things. Mindfulness, 
common humanity and kindness. This is a great exercise to use for your purposeful rest if you're practicing focused work and purposeful rest that we talked about in our previous episode. It can be used at any time, however, and you can do it in a room with people in it, or you can step away from others to do it. It really just takes a few minutes. Your worksheet for this week is going to walk you through the practice, so don't feel as though you need to write it down. And that's going to be located at stephanieleecoaching.com forward slash episode 18. Okay, this is step one of a self-compassion break. If you are not already thinking about it, bring to mind a situation that causes you stress. Try to put yourself in the situation enough to really be present with it, but not so much that you get yourself really worked up. What's the problem? What's been said? What's happening or what could happen? Does it cause you to feel stress or upset in your body? And if so, what does that feel like? Acknowledge to yourself that this is a painful situation in any way that feels natural to you. And I recognize that none of this may feel natural to you at first, but find words that work for you. Maybe this is painful. Or this sucks so hard. This feels bad and unfair. This identifying the situation that you're in as stressful or painful, this is the mindfulness part of self-compassion. You're recognizing where you are. You're present with it. You're acknowledging the pain of the situation. Step two, this is the common humanity part of self-compassion. Here, you're going to remind yourself that you're not alone and that other people are also feeling pain. You may wish to consider the pain of other people who are involved in this situation or other people somewhere else that you may know or even some you may not know who have been in similar situations. Acknowledge to yourself that you're not alone in your pain in any way that works for you. Such as, I'm not the only one in pain. Other people are going through this too. Other people have been laid off. Other people have friends and loved ones that have received a diagnosis. Step three, offer yourself kindness in whatever way feels appropriate to you, verbally or through a soothing touch or both. What would you say to your best friend in this type of situation? Oh, honey, I'm sorry this is hard. You will get through this. I'm here for you. There may be a scripture or a quote that's meaningful to you here. For soothing touch, some people like to grasp their elbows in front of their torso, almost as if they're in a hug. Others like to put a hand on their chest or on their face or on the back of their neck. Some people like to rest their face in their hands. Do what feels best to you and what fits the situation that you find yourself in. As we conclude, I'm going to offer you this. We recognize kindness as strength in others. Choose to recognize it as a strength in yourself as well, especially when you extend kindness to yourself. It's an act of courage to believe that you can change and do and accomplish what you need to from a place of support 
and kindness. But truly, it's also evidence-based. So take a look at Neff's books. Go to stephanieleecoaching.com forward slash episode 18 and find not only the show notes for this episode, but the worksheet that will walk you through the process that we talked about above of taking your own self-compassion break. That's stephanieleecoaching.com forward slash episode 18. The link is in the description of whatever platform you're watching on or listening in. Thank you for sticking with me through the 18th episode of Not Your Mama's Midlife Podcast. I do hope you'll join me back here on your favorite podcast player or YouTube for our next episode. Wherever you listen, please do like and subscribe. Tell your friends. And if you're enjoying it, leave us a rating on Apple Podcasts. It really helps others to find the show. Have a great week, and I can't wait to talk with you again soon. Bye.